0: singing, all those voices singing joy to the world, it made me think of um, how choirs play a role in the Christmas story. Um, one of the first significant choirs in the Christmas story is uh, a choir of angels, and uh, I'm just going to have to re I dropped my notes so they're all in a funny order here, so this will... You give me a second. Okay, here's what I want you to do. Just talk amongst yourself about the biggest singing event you've ever been to. Go ahead. I'll sort my notes and I'll get back to you. All right, I'm back. Okay. Let me read to you about that angelic choir. Luke chapter 2 and verse 8. It says, And there were shepherds living in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. singing and and uh, praising God and This is the fourth week of Advent so we've been talking about Like Advent means coming. We've been talking about Jesus coming, but really we've been talking about Jesus first coming and his second coming So at his first coming he came as a baby But then the Bible tells us that at his second coming he will come as a as a king He'll come as a judge. He'll come as one who brings justice to the world. And so we live between these two advents, these two comings of Jesus, and the Bible talks about both of them, and, um, and o- Old Testament prophets would often see them as uh, um, sort of together in one picture. I shared a few weeks ago about the prophet Isaiah, that he talked about um, two great days in one sentence, basically. He talked about the day of the Lord's favor and then the day of the Lord's wrath. And the day of the Lord and so when Jesus was reading in uh, he was reading in Nazareth in the synagogue, he was asked to read the scriptures and he opened the scroll of Isaiah and he read all the way up about the day of the Lord's favor. And then just right where it got to the point of the day of the Lord's wrath, he stops and he doesn't read that, but he says that the day of the Lord's favor has been fulfilled. That God has come to bring favor. God has come to bring reconciliation between a holy God and sinful humanity. God has come to bring great blessing through Jesus' first coming. So he says that's been fulfilled. But, of course, the Old Testament prophets, I, I explained this before, it's the prophetic perspective was they would see off in the distance like a mountain range. Like if you're going to the Rocky Mountains and you're driving along and you see a mountain and you say, wow, that's a great mountain, I can hardly wait to get to it. And then as you get closer and closer and maybe the road winds to the side or something, you suddenly realize that's not one mountain, that's two mountains. And when you finally get to the first mountain, you realize the second mountain is not right behind it, it is miles and miles and miles in the distance still. And so that's what the Old Testament prophets would see. They 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 would be moved by the Holy Spirit to speak about the future yet to come, but they couldn't see from their perspective the distance between those two events. It's only when you get to the first event, the first coming of Jesus, that you realize that some of the things they were describing, some of the things they were describing were about the first coming, and some of the things they were describing were about the second coming. I've noticed uh, that in, in um, some some of uh, our songs at Christmas time, some of them will say like, "Here's baby Jesus," and then the next line or two will say, "Talk about him being a king that will rule the world." Well, those are separated by time; they're separated by from his first arrival, his first advent, and his second advent. In fact. When we were singing Joy to the World earlier, I I pointed this out in the springtime uh, when I was doing a whole whole teaching series on the topic of heaven, but did you notice as you sing Joy to the World how much of that is about the second coming? In fact, almost all of it is about the second coming. Almost every line in in the, the song Joy to the World is about the future. So, joy to the world, the Lord is come. Well, that obviously would be true about Christmas or Jesus' first coming. Let earth receive her king. Now, when Jesus came the first time, he wasn't received by the general population of Israel or the whole world as a king. But he will be someday. Let every heart prepare him room. Well, that could be the first coming. And then it goes on to say, and heaven and nature sing. And heaven and nature sing. It talks about fields and floods and rocks and hills and plains are repeating this sounding joy. You have all of creation is, is, is celebrating. And it's, it's a, to me, it's an echo of the teaching in Romans chapter 8, where in Romans chapter 8, it says that creation is groaning, not celebrating, but groaning, waiting for the revelation yet to come. And the revelation that's described there is that the people of God will be fully revealed, right? So it's, um, in the spring, I had a, an example. I had a, a train set up here, and the front was uh, represented Jesus and his uh, life that he lived, his sinless life, his sacrificial death on behalf of sinful humanity, and his, and he, the fact that he rose again. And then I said, that train, because he has ro- risen from the dead, that means that Scripture says that that means that we can have confidence or we can trust in Him as our Savior and He will raise us from the dead. So, this this, uh, locomotive is connected to the next car. But then in Romans 8, we learn that all of creation is longing for that second train to come. And so, it's sort of like you... So, here's Jesus rises again. The promise that we will... If we're trusting in him if we're his followers that we will rise again and then all creation is longing for that to happen because it's it means that creation will be renewed many times in the New Testament it talks about the renewal of all things so if you're talking about the things you find in joy to the world it's talking about the renewal of all things that he's going to bring to the world so when you read no more let sins and sorrows grow well they still do in the day that we're living in but not in the future. Nor thorns infest the ground. That's a that's part of the the curse that came on Adam and Eve in the garden. He comes to make his blessings flow. How far? Far as the curse is found. And the curse is that's talking about everywhere that sin and selfishness has infected the world. Its effect on people. Its effect on creation. There's been a spoiling of God's good creation. There's been, a, uh, there's been a, uh, a brokenness that's come into human relationships. And so as far as the curse is found, and we see evidence of the curse all over the place, watch the news. Probably you only have to watch it for five to ten minutes and you see the curse. You see human relationships that are destroyed. You see uh, people destroying the planet. You see, you see all sorts of different things that are happening. But as far as the curse is found... As far as sin has infected the world, he will make his blessings flow. That's the promise yet to go. And then the last, the last verse says, he rules the world with truth and grace. That's yet to come. And makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and wonders of his love. That's, that's the second coming. That's the second advent. So almost all of joy to the world is talking about the second coming of Christ you know there's another I love that one of my favorite Christmas carols for the lyrics is the song "O Holy Night O Holy Night man we're on a theme of singing so maybe let's just do uh, want to try this I'll see if I can get it started and we'll just sing two verses so We'll sing the first verse and the third verse, but hopefully they'll get up there for you. And uh, if they don't, some of you will know it by heart, and you you can belt it out and help the rest of us, okay? Oh, holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of the dear Savior's birth. A new and glorious morn, fall on your knees. Was born, oh night, O oh, night, oh night divine. Truly, he taught us to love one another, his law is love. His gospel is peace. Chains shall he break, For the slave is our brother, And in his name all oppression shall cease. Sweet hymns of joy, In grateful chorus raise we, And all within us praise his holy name. Christ is the Lord. Oh, praise his name forever. His power and glory. More proclaim His power and glory evermore proclaim. I love that song. How it it, again—it's got—it's got first coming, second coming in it. It's the night of our dear Savior's birth. But for yonder breaks. A new and glorious morn. It's talking about the future. Chains shall he break, for the slave is our brother. And in his name all oppression shall cease. We live in a time where all oppression has not ceased yet. We see oppression in our world. Many of us have experienced oppression in different ways. It's still here with us. But there's a day coming when that will be changed. And just even the last line says, Christ is the Lord, O praise his name forever. Well, he is Lord. That is true. But his lordship is not, like in some ways, there's a, there's a way in which his lordship is already applied, but there's a, a fuller expression of that yet to come. There's a fuller experience of that for the people and the nations of the world. And then when it talks about forevermore proclaim and praise his name forever, well, those things are, uh, those things are future. There will, be a, there will be a forever yet to come. So we're living between the two Advents. We're living between his first coming and his second second coming. And you know, we can be troubled in between in the time where oppression hasn't ceased, in the time where the curse is still found. It can be troubling for us. We can have all sorts of things that that bring us uh, trouble uh, to our hearts. And the Christmas story I find is very fascinating because it's got several moments in it where the troubled hearts of the people are the concern of God. And maybe you've never thought of this before, but when your heart is troubled, that is a concern of God, that he actually cares about your troubled hearts. Now, I don't know what might be troubling you. It could be anything, right? You might be, it might be financial troubles. It might be uh, work troubles. It might be schooling troubles, right? Uh, I love that uh, we just heard that we're coping, right? That's life, right? We're coping. We're, we're getting by. Maybe just barely. Or we're just hanging on. Or some, day, some days we may feel overwhelmed and we don't think actually we can get by. Well, God cares about those troubl- the troubled hearts that are within us. He cares deeply about that. And we see that in the Christmas story, right? When the, um, when the shepherds met the angels, they were terrified. And the answer, what he, the angel said to him was, do not be afraid. He, he didn't ignore the fact that they were terrified. He went right to that and said, hey, hey, you're scared. There's not, you're worried. This angelic visitation has got you freaked out. Don't be afraid. We bring you great news that will cause great joy for all people. I think about... Um, both Joseph and Mary there's their stories have an element of troubled hearts um, Listen to uh, Luke chapter 1 and verse 20 uh, um, Where are we gonna start 26 I'm starting here cuz Gabriel's in it so Gabriel if you're watching we're, we're thinking about you today So in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth a town in Galilee to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph A descendant of David the virgin's name was Mary and the angel went to her and said greetings you who are highly favored the Lord is with you so that's a pretty positive statement but again meeting an angel is no big is no small thing and so it says Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be but the angel said to her do not be afraid Do not be afraid, Mary, for you found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Similarly, Joseph, he had an angel encounter and had a very similar experience. Now, he was, he was... Thinking about some stuff and uh, thinking about Mary and, and, uh, and, and the, uh, the baby yet to come. And this is what it says. An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And then it says, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the prophet Isaiah. The virgin will conceive and give birth. Um, sorry, my notes got messed up here. And give birth to a child. And he will be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. See, here's the ultimate um, Antidote to your troubled hearts God is with you God is with you It's an interesting when you when you think about When like God could have had many different responses. I mean to the troubles of our world To the sin in our world to the curse in our world. He could have had many different responses Um, One of them is it could have just abandoned the world I mean the, the track record, of the story of the Bible tells the story that basically humanity abandoned God. Humanity stopped following God. Humanity pulled away from God, rejected God. In fact, acted rebelliously and treacherously towards God. And so I've seen lots of relationships where one side pulls away or treats the other badly. And the other one, the natural response is, well, I'm done with you. But the, the, the surprising story of the Bible is not that God rightfully pulls away from humanity and rejects them. It's that he makes a reconciliation plan. He doesn't say, I'm washing my hands of you. I don't want anything to do with you. I, you know, you've rejected me, so I reject you. He actually makes a plan to reconcile sinful humanity to God. And um, I love, I was reading, again, I mentioned Romans 8. Let me read you a little bit of Romans 8. And this is, uh, Eugene Peterson's written his paraphrase of this, and I love the way he wrote it. It, it's, It's great. It says, with the arrival of Jesus, the Messiah, that fateful dilemma, the dilemma of sinful man can't be with a holy God unless it's fixed. That's the dilemma. That fateful dilemma is resolved. Those who enter into Christ's, being here for us, no longer have to live under a continuous, low-lying, black cloud. (laughs) It's a good description of the curse of sin and all the things that come with it. A new power is in operation. The spirit of life in Jesus Christ, like a strong wind, has magnificently cleared the air, freeing you from a faded lifetime of brutal tyranny at the hands of sin and death. God went for the jugular when he sent his own son. This is a pretty creative way of writing this. God went for the jugular when he sent his own son. He didn't deal with the problem as something remote and unimportant. In his son Jesus, he personally took on the human condition. That's what Christmas is celebrating. God became man or he took on he took on human condition he took on the frailty of a baby so he could live a sinless life and be the appropriate sacrifice to take our sins on the cross so he personally took on the human condition entered the disordered mess of struggling humanity is not a great description of what we see in the news the disordered mess of struggling humanity in order to set it right once and for all. Wow. So when he could have abandoned the world, instead, he came near. So this is the great hope. So the Israelites, they, they looked for this day. They, they longed for this day. That the Messiah would come. That God would send a deliverer. That they would... Um, that he would, he would send the one that had been promised. And they would cry out, come, Emmanuel, come. Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel. Rescue captive Israel. Rescue us. And God did. It's an amazing thing when you think about all that is wrapped up in baby Jesus. Jesus. Hope, peace, love, joy, we celebrate those things through the four weeks of Advent and what the candles represent. But it's, it's the amazing thing that God came near. When we were troubled, when we were at our lowest point, God came near. And I think that's something that is true for humanity as a whole. It's just true for us personally as well. It's true for us personally as well when you're at your most troubled point, when your heart is the most troubled, that God is willing to come near. God is willing to do, in fact, he does through Jesus what is, what is necessary in order for us to have that near relationship with God. I want to read you just John 14. So this is Jesus. Later on in his life, he's... he's he knows he's going to the cross. He knows he's going to take the sins of the world on him so that he will take our sins so that we can receive in exchange his righteous track record, his perfect obedience track record. So he, he takes our sins and we receive his It's this incredible exchange that's offered at the cross. So he's getting ready for that, but he's about to leave his closest friends. So he he sits down with his 12 disciples, and he has a talk with them. And it's the same talk at the beginning of his life story at the end. It starts with the same line. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. So he's inviting them. Just put your trust. Put your trust in me. My father's house has many rooms. I love this part because it's really just saying there's room for all of us. There's room for all of us in, uh, in where God is leading us to. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? Now, I love that he says preparing a place for you. Because if someone really knows you and prepares a place for you, it's going to match. It's going to fit you. You're going to like it. Um, sometimes I'm a, I'll make a meal for somebody. But sometimes I don't know them. I don't know what they like to eat. So I'll make a meal that I like to eat. And then they'll show up and, and I'll feed them the meal. And they'll be like, oh, yeah okay (laughs) so for a meal that might be a delight for me might be a struggle for them because i don't know them really well but when i get to know somebody then i do a better job of preparing a place for them and jesus knows us he knows you intimately he knows every facet of your life he knows you better than you know yourself so if he's the one going to prepare a place for you, it's going to match you so well. It's going, to be, it's going to be everything you could possibly imagine it could be. It's going to be amazing. But I was thinking about it, and I thought, you know, what, his going to prepare a place for us isn't just about going to heaven and, and, and making sure that that's going to just be right. His going to prepare a place for us included the cross, that's how he prepared the place. That's, in fact, there's two preparations. They're preparing a place, but there's also preparing a person. So his going to the cross, his being willing to take on your sin and my sin, was, made, was what made it possible that we could ever stand before a holy God. Because how could I, a sinner, stand before a holy God and not be terrified? The only way I can do that is if I am clothed in the righteousness of jesus if his perfect obedience and his perfect track record was my own because i mess up i sin i do all sorts of things where i make the whole world about myself i i'm I'm selfish and self-centered so to stand before a holy god he's not just going to prepare a place but he's got to prepare a person and that's not there's no, it's not because I can act perfectly, but he's actually going to credit to my account his perfect obedience. It's like, if you change, if, it's like if you traded bank accounts with a billionaire. I don't know who's the richest in the world right now, but let's just say it's Bill Gates or whoever, but, or Elon Musk or something. Let's say Elon Musk. He comes to you and he just says, hey, Steve, you want to trade bank accounts? I mean, say, well, mine's mostly in the red, but are you sure you want it? And he'd be like, yeah, I, you know, I'm, I'm willing to trade bank accounts with you. I'm saying, well, you've got billions and billions and companies galore and all that. Are you sure about this? I mean, it's crazy thought. But Jesus does that. He comes in, he says, I'm offering you perfect, sinless track record that you could stand before a holy God and not be terrified. And in exchange, I will take all the blame and all the shame for your sin. It's an incredible exchange. He's preparing a place for you, but He's also, through the cross, He makes it possible for us to be prepared, not just for the place, but to be with Him. So He made a way to be right with God. It isn't me stacking up a whole bunch of good deeds that will finally outbalance my, my, be, my misdeeds or my wrong actions. It's trusting in what he's done for me. That's, that's how I could ever be in God's presence and not be terrified. He says, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back. I will come back. Here again is that promise. He's coming back. And I'll take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. (laughs) You know, where's home for us? It's wherever Jesus is. I love this. Emmanuel, God with us. That's the story of, that's the, that's the, the, the headliner of Christmas. And here it is at the end where Jesus is just about to go to the cross and he says, here's the great promise again. You be with God. You can be with God forever. And Thomas says, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how could we know the way? And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There's two things that I just noticed in here that really stood out to me. Jesus is the way to be right with God. There's no other way. There's no other, again, I said, I can't, I can't find some other righteous path where I earn my way with God. I can't do that. The Bible makes it clear that there's no one righteous. There's not one. Not a single person on this planet is righteous. And if I tried to add up all my good deeds, it wouldn't be enough. I'd still be guilty. I'd still be hopelessly separated from God. And that's why God graciously provided a rescue plan for me, a reconciliation plan for me and for the people of the world so that we could have that. We could have relationship with him forever. And so Jesus is the way, trusting in what he has done, that what he did, his going to the cross was necessary because of my sin, but also that it was enough for my sin. I don't know what you've done and you don't know what I've done but no matter what secret sin is hidden away back in your past he's offering you forgiveness for your past he's offering you a, a clean slate when you come humbly to him you repent of, of all the things in your past and even repent of all your religious ways of trying to get right with him that don't actually add up to that and you simply believe in what he has done you simply put your trust in him it's like you throw the whole weight of your life on him then he will make you new he'll give you a brand new slate so Jesus I love this he says I'm the way the truth and the life but if you go back into the verses before he's saying I'm gonna take you to be with me so Jesus the way to where we're going and he's the destination I read this a long time ago, and it just resonated with me so deeply. What do you get when you believe the gospel? What do you get when you believe the good news about Jesus? What do you get when you trust in that for your salvation from your sinful guilt and shame? You get God. You get relationship with him forever. That's what you get. So sometimes we talk about all the good things that will be in heaven, all the good things God has in store with us, and that's great. We should talk about those things. But the ultimate headliner of what we get is we get relationship with God. We get what Christmas promises. We get God with us. God with us. And no sin, no guilt, and no shame standing between us. It's an incredible gift that's offered to us at Christmas. This morning, I don't know where you're at. I don't know where where you're at in your life. But if you've, if you've, if you're just hearing this and, and you you recognize you've never really trusted Jesus, you've never really received the gift of Christmas. You've never really trusted in what He offers you. Today could be the day where you actually take that step of faith and say, "I believe. I'm trusting You." I've been running my life my own way, but now I'm, I'm looking to you to be the leader in my life to lead me going forward. I need forgiveness for my past. I need peace in my present. I need hope for my future. And I'm, I stand ready to receive it right now based on what you've done, Jesus, not based on what I've done. I'm trusting in you. I want to lead you in a prayer this morning. From, if you're already a believer, then this is a prayer you could pray every day and It would be it be a good prayer to pray every day, but for some of you, it might be the first time you ever pray a prayer like this, because you recognize that you're you need what Jesus offers, and so you're just reaching out to receive that in this time. So let's pray. I just invite you, if you're here, just if you've prayed this prayer before, then would you audibly just repeat after me? That might help others in this moment. Father in heaven. Thank you that you love me and that you sent Jesus to die on the cross for my sin. I put my faith in Jesus as my Lord and as my Savior. Help me live a life that honors you by the power of the Holy Spirit. And everyone said, amen. Let's worship him as we close our service. We'll invite you to stand and sing with us one more time.